As almost all of you know by now, Kansas's streak of 14 straight regular season Big 12 titles has come to an end. It's a very sad day in Jayhawks Nation. And before they actually were out of mathematically eliminated, Jayhawk Talk and Fog Advisory had a little banter on Twitter about doing a We Didn't Start the Fire parody about the streak ending with all the stuff that has happened since the 14 years of the streak. And Jayhawk Talk quoted that tweet, said, This is ambitious, but also an excellent idea. I fear it will take more time than the half hour so I can commit to this exercise. Luckily, Twitter is a great place, and the replies were priceless. Some of them were... Mike- Twitter is a great place. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> yeah. March, March 10th, 2019. Twitter is a great place. Yeah. Tom Borster. Micah Downs moved away. What else do I have to say? Bill Sells, alpha-winning grin, ending blocked by Robinson, Lightfoot screen news energy, Sphemuholic traveling. That one doesn't really rhyme. It's okay. J.R. Giddens, New Mexico, Preston is a no-gal, Bucknell, Bradley, UNI, and BCU. And my personal favorite, UNC blown away. What else do I have to say? Of all the parts of the Kansas streak in the last 14 years, the 2008 team that made an extremely talented North Carolina team look like a high school basketball team for the first half. Billy Packer's famous, this game is over moment. It was probably my favorite moment of the streak, but the streak is dead. Kansas is a three seed in the Big 12 tournament, and they'll have to play something other than the first game on Wednesday, so or Thursday, whatever it is. It's a sad day in Lawrence, Kansas, but what can you do except sing a parody to a Billy Joel song uh, from whatever year it was? the rest of the way. Double bonus as well. right, two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Go Bonus Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brendan DeRocher, with Tom Borstein here on a Sunday afternoon in uh, New York City, a cloudy, rainy New York City. It is a Sunday evening uh, in Europe, where uh, where Mr. Borstein is located right now, how are you doing? And where are you? I'm in Madrid, doing great. A gr- uh, well-timed vacation for college basketball, but here we are. Good family trip. And uh, wait, wait, wait. I thought you told me that you were going to be named the uh, caretaker manager of Celta Vigo. Is that not happening no. anymore? No, I did go to an Atletico Madrid match yesterday. Outstanding, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely bought a Thomas partly jersey because Thomas is on on the back of it. But uh, yeah, it's been a good time so far. A lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, heavy dinners, but it's good. A lot of heavy dinners. Yeah. yeah. With conversation, too, with your family? Has it been a heavy conversation? No, no, keeping it light, yeah. <laughs> light conversation, heavy dinner. Okay, I see. Yeah. Um, well, this is the last weekend of the uh, college basketball season. and uh, Well, college basketball regular season. So you, there are a couple of big games. You always see UNC Duke, um, and you always see Michigan, Michigan State. Oh, actually, you don't always see Michigan, Michigan State, but we saw it this weekend, and um, so we're we're going to spend most of our time doing our top twenty-five poll, our last one of the year. We're going to do a draft of the major conference tournaments. We're going to spend a few minutes though, making sure that we touch on some of the major storylines over the weekend. Uh, we're going to call it a little banter. It's not going to be quite six as good, um, but uh, before we do that, I want to make sure that you know who we are. We're in double bonus at double bonus pod on Twitter, double bonus pod at uh, doublebonuspod.com on the web. Uh, doublebonuspod at gmail.com if you want to email us and uh, subscribe rate review in itunes apple podcasts spotify podbean or google play music um so 
I don't expect that you spend a lot of time watching uh, Marquise Bolden get hurt for uh, for Duke or Duke get swept by UNC um, or the Michigan Michigan State game, but uh, you might have had a chance to follow along while it was going on or look at some of the box scores. Uh, anything strike you from some of the major events of the weekend? Uh, UNC Duke actually watched this morning my time. It was a midnight tip in Madrid. Did not make it past uh, eleven o'clock last night, so that wasn't happening. But I watched it this morning on fast forward and. Again, Duke's depth, especially down low, is going to be a problem. And Bolden getting hurt, an MCL sprain. We don't know when Zion's coming back, though. We presume he's going to be healthy at some point. Um, this is just not a good situation for Duke right now. I talked about last pod, Duke better hope when he comes back that Zion doesn't get into foul trouble. And now they're even shorter in the front court. And shout out to our listener, Nathan, because Jack White has played 50 minutes in uh, the UNC Duke series this year. And I think he has six points. So... He's not going to get it done down there on offense. So and defense, especially too, they're just they're missing two now huge rim protectors. And if Zion's going to be on a you know quote unquote pitch count, and Bolden's hurt, then what's going to happen down low when he's not in the game? So they have a couple weeks to get healthy. Really, you don't think Duke will be tested the first weekend? You would hope, but this is that's my main concern for them coming out of there, coming out of this game is where's the front court depth? What's going to happen there if Bolden and Williamson are just you know. Um, you know, shadows of themselves or li- or uh, not liabilities, but um, that's the word I'm looking for. If they're if they're just not who they are, who they're normally supposed to be, if they're not at full strength, what's what's going to happen for Duke down low? Yeah, so Duke will play the last will be the last team to play in the ACC tournament, um, or if they play first, I get their first game. It's going to be 9 p.m. on Thursday night uh, in Charlotte. They'll play the winner of Syracuse and the winner of Pitt Boston College. So that'll be like a old-school Big East uh, quarterfinal um, against Duke. <laughs> and uh, according to Coach K, after the game yesterday, Zion is expected to play in that game. So he'll get four more days off, and then Thursday night in Charlotte, he's supposed to play Duke. Oh, he's supposed to play for Duke against likely Syracuse, but but possibly uh, Boston College or Pitt. I think it's you – know, we're going to talk about the, the conference tournaments in a little bit, but Pitt, who is kind of the darling of a lot of people in Jeff Cable's first season, I look, and they're actually the 14th seed in the ACC tournament. Um Michigan, Michigan State. We saw Xavier Tillman played really well for um, for Michigan State. He's gotten a chance to uh, blossom a bit with Nick Ward injured. Uh, he had 17 points. He got the free throw line a lot. He had uh, six rebounds, five block shots, and um, Michigan State ended up sweeping Michigan. Um, this game was a 75-63 win at the Breslin Center, um, and for once they didn't have to get uh, absolutely well. I say that, but um, Cassius Winston did have a 43% usage rate, which is um, very, very high. He had 23 points, uh, 7 assists, 5 turnovers, which turnovers have been a bit of a problem for him. Um, he's had at least 3 turnovers in every game uh, since February 12th against Wisconsin, and his 43% usage rate was his highest of the season, and I would assume his highest of his career. Um, so they're definitely very reliant on Cassius Winston, but Michigan State did share a did claim a share of the Big Ten regular season title with Purdue, who earlier in the week really cost themselves the uh, outright title by losing at Minnesota. But both teams will uh, finish uh, 15 and three in conference. Actually, 16 and four in conference. Sorry about that. 16 and four in conference. A game ahead of Michigan. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Michigan's defense betrayed him in the second half in this game, and you know we'll talk about this. I think in a second when we talk about the conference champions. But you know they. Were the darlings of the Big Ten, the darlings of the country for the first part of the season. They really fell up, fell up a cliff late. They lost this game. Um, they won this game, then lost the rematch 
not their best uh, defensive performance by any stretch. Their offense was just mediocre. Even though they had only five turnovers, they did not shoot the ball well. Just 17 of 40 from two and 8 of 22 from three. Think about it. If you have five turnovers in a game, you should have more than 0.95 points per possession. So that's a problem. We'll see what John Beeline can do. Um, again, the Big Ten tournament, they are historically great in that situation, and they're a great tournament team. So that's obviously probably a reflection on Beeline, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, and Michigan State, another team that I question their depth. But, of course, uh, we'll see what happens. Another uh, outstanding performance mostly by Winston. In fairness to Michigan, only finishing a game back, but they did have a, a, a much tougher schedule than either Michigan State or Purdue. They had to play Maryland, Michigan State, and... Um, uh, someone else twice. Maryland uh, Mich- twice, Michigan State twice, um, and they had someone else twice that I Oh, Wisconsin twice. They remember they lost to Wisconsin the first loss of the season, and then came back and played them again. And Michigan is not going to finish, likely not going to finish the Big Ten season with the best dif- defense in the in the conference. Uh, Wisconsin uh, kind of quietly has had the best defense in the conference. They do. They are still yet to play. Uh, as we record against Ohio State. So Ohio State, in theory, could have a really big offensive game and change that. But most likely, Wisconsin will finish as the best defensive team in the Big Ten. Moving on, um, regular season champions were decided in all the major conferences this weekend, or if they weren't already decided. Um, we talked about Texas Tech and Kansas State. We didn't mention them uh, uh, overtly, but in the cold open, we referenced Kansas not winning the title. Both Texas Tech and Kansas State swept their games this week while Kansas lost its first game to Oklahoma, and that combination meant that Tech and Kansas State split the Big 12 title. Um, and then in the Big East, Villanova, uh, despite going 1-1 one one this week, including losing to Seton Hall at Seton Hall, um, they claimed a the, the outright Big East title because Marquette lost it, both of its games at Seton Hall and home against Georgetown yesterday, a Georgetown team that was coming off a 32-point loss to DePaul. Um, in the SEC, LSU won an outright uh, SEC title after um, Tennessee lost to Auburn earlier in the day. LSU, with its head coach Will Wade suspended after being quoted on a wiretap about making a, a really good offer to a player yeah, or a really player's strong family. Offer, yeah, 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 yeah. That play, the player uh, scholarship was also obviously. suspended. Yeah, he just it's a really good scholarship at LSU. Even though I, I think if you finish like top ten percent of your high school class in LSU, you get in and you're in state, you get in for free or something like that. Uh, the player was Javante Smart, who is a good but not he's, he's an important player, but um, he's a starter. Uh, he's not like the he's a, at best their third best player behind Tremont Waters and Nasri. Obviously a big loss nonetheless, but he did not play um, in this game, and in fact Nasri did not play either. But they did manage to beat winless in conference Vanderbilt by 21 points to get the conference title. Uh, Washington had been locked up the Pac-12 for a while and won the league by three games. And then in the ACC, uh, we mentioned North Carolina winning. North Carolina and Virginia shared the ACC title at it with a 16 and two record. Another year where um, uh, Duke is like a, is a top number one team overall or, or picked to win the ACC and does not win the season title. Um, UVA North Carolina split it and uh, again it's been since 2010 uh, since Duke has won a regular season uh, conference title that's uh, Rising champ well actually I think we about it last time in 2010 they shared it they have not won an outright ACC title since 2006 so any thoughts on those champions or, or the games that they played this weekend it's a, it's a tough league uh, the ACC so Duke shouldn't be too upset about that but 
just to go across the board here, really the only team that is was the preseason favorite to win the league was Villanova. Um, at least entering, especially entering conference play. Entering conference play, I don't think anyone had. Um, technical, maybe Washington. Maybe Washington, yeah. But UVA, North Carolina, we talked about. Duke was projected to win that conference. Michigan State, Purdue. Michigan was probably projected to win that conference. LSU, until two weeks ago, I don't think people realized could win the league with Tennessee and Kentucky getting all the ink and pixels uh, in the SEC. And then Texas Tech, we talked about. They were they brought no one back from last year except Jared Culver. And Kansas State, I projected as an overrated team because I thought they had a very easy road to the Elite Eight. Two Elite Eight teams last year, both ridden off to varying degrees and both split the title and both beat Kansas once and both held their own. They also got off to slow starts in the Big 12 and finished really strong. So credit to all those teams. Uh, LSU obviously is going to have some problems going forward without their coach and without Smart, but we'll see what happens there but really just you know just goes to show that the prohibitive favorites in the or not or the favorites in the conferences aren't just necessarily going to waltz through these are tough conferences and you're not going to waltz through them and win a regular season title and imbalanced schedules play a part north carolina had an easier schedule we mentioned uh, michigan having a tougher schedule probably than michigan state and purdue so um you know yeah lsu had an easier schedule you had an easier schedule as well yeah so it's a you know, it's not a perfect metric for measuring them. In the Big 12, it is because it's a double round robin. It's really fair. Same with the Big East. But, uh, yeah, some surprises here. We'll see. I don't think it really means that much going uh, into the NCAA tournament, except for possibly seeds in the um, the number one seeds with Virginia and Carolina and Duke. But uh, credit, to the, uh, credit to the teams that won because they deserve it. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I think especially the Big East, we about that when you get to that tournament, but it's another week that really didn't go well when we talk about good seeds. Marquette losing twice, Villanova splitting, um, and St. John's losing again. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a weird Georgetown with splitting with that big loss to DePaul. Anyway, Creighton at least won a couple, so that should help you in your and uh, Seton Hall as well, so that should help you in your bubble draft, which we'll talk about in a second. First, the West Coast Conference uh, they have a strange kind of stepladder type uh, tournament where. Day one, seven plays ten, eight plays nine. Day two, the winners play five and six. And then day three is the winners of those two play three and four. And then we have the semifinals. Well, we finally reached the point of having the semifinals. And um, we have um, St. Mary's is going to be playing San Diego in one. And Gonzaga will play Pepperdine, which is a surprise team in the other. Pepperdine knocked off um, several teams to get there, including uh, my my friends Kyle Smith's team, which really had a, a rough finish to the season. San Francisco in the, the West Coast Conference lost its last five, uh, four games. Um, they were at one point 21-6 and six and 9-4, and four, lost three consecutive to finish the regular season, and then last night played Pepperdine, um, a, a solid team. I, I think if you recall, Pepperdine was one of the teams that was rated really high in the original net. Like Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount both rated really high. Well, Pepperdine beat Pacific by eight, then they beat Loyola Marymount by three, and they beat San Francisco by 17. And now they're going to get a crack at Gonzaga. Um, Pepperdine has played Gonzaga this year only once, and they lost by 28 on the road. Um, St. Mary's plays uh, USD, and um, they have beaten them by 17 and beating them by 20. So... So it, we, it seemed like it would have a St. Mary's-Gonzaga final in the West Coast Conference. Um, one more thing, just, just going final, uh, was the uh, it was Arch Madness in St. Louis. It's kind of a weird uh, final between the number five and number six seeds, Bradley and Northern Iowa. 
Uh, Bradley was down big in the first half and early in the second half and came back and just won by three. Northern Iowa had a desperation shot at the buzzer to try to tie it and missed it. Um, so a surprising end to a surprising tournament in the Missouri Valley a year after their champion went to the um, Final Four. This year, Missouri Valley is not even one of the top 16 conferences in the country, according to Ken Palm. Um, and Bradley, the number 170 team in Ken Palm, beats Northern Iowa, number 179 team in Ken Palm, to make the NCAA tournament um, for the first time since, it was like 2006, when they made the Sweet 16 um, and, be, and beat who in the first round, Tom? Uh, wait, what? What, Bradley? Two, 2006 Bradley. They beat Kansas, yeah. Yeah. Then and then the, the second round was one of, one of the famous – Yes, famous scorebook moments of all time. Brad over Pitt. Bradley, yeah, Bradley versus Pittsburgh. Just Brad, Brad but Pitt. Brad over Pitt on the scorebook. Amazing yeah. moment, yeah. <laughs> um, so that I remember watching that in a bar with my friend in Miami, the Bradley-Pittsburgh game. Um, anyway, so Bradley's back in the NCAA tournament the first time since 2006, and uh, despite the fact that uh, the Missouri Valley didn't really th- have the kind of year it thought it would have, it looked like Loyola was going to be a top team entering the season – they ended up uh, sharing the conference title, but losing to Bradley in the semifinals by two. Um, they shared the direct season title Loyola did with Drake. But Drake ended up losing the semifinals to Northern Iowa by two. Um, and then uh, and Valparaiso, one of the new entrants in the conference, was thought to be pretty good as well, but then ended up finishing 7-11. They didn't really have a, a good finish to the season. So Yeah, by the way, um, Drake, the yeah. high-ranked team in the Missouri Valley, 126th in Ken Palm behind two Ivy League teams and just one spot out of the third Ivy League team in Harvard. Not a great year for the Missouri Valley. Remember this conference was, like, perennially good? <laughs> yeah, if you look at the um, Missouri Valley's Ken Palm rankings year by year, um, since 2004, 2004-2018, which uh, is 15 new seasons, their lowest uh, Ken Palm ranking was 12th. Uh, their highest was 7th, which they did four consecutive years from 2005-2008. And this year they were 17th. They had never been worse than 15th in the Ken Palm era. Um, yeah, the loss, obviously, of Creighton uh, is a big one for them. If you, look, if you look at the 2007 league, uh, just picking that one, one of the top seven leagues. Southern Illinois that year was a four seed and 16th in Ken Palm. Creighton was a 10 seed and 28th in Ken Palm. Missouri State, Bradley, Northern Iowa, Wichita State uh, were all top 70 teams, and Evansville and Illinois State were top 100 teams. Drake and Indiana State were top 150 teams, and that was the whole conference. There wasn't a single team outside the top 150 in the conference, and they had um, four, five, six in the top 65, uh, over the top 70. And this year, with the same number of teams, they have uh, exactly two teams in the top 150 and none in the top 125. Crazy. Um, And one of the funny things, Loyola Chicago was not in that conference then, and they are in the conference now. They go to a Final Four, and yet the conference is, uh, is significantly worse. Uh, let's talk about the bubble. Yeah. We did our bubble draft last week, and it's, it's a good chance to both go through our picks but also to update you on how teams are doing. Um, interestingly, the top picks had kind of not-so-great weeks, and especially Tom's bottom six or seven picks had very good weeks. So um, if you look at it, the teams have probably helped themselves the most this week. Well, Murray State did by winning the OVC tournament in a good game against Belmont last night uh, in Evansville, Indiana. So they are in uh, as an automatic. So I get the two points for that. That was my 11th pick in the 12-round draft. Belmont, of course, lost that game. They don't seem likely to make the NCAA tournament, but they are kind of in theory in the picture. The other teams that really helped themselves this week are Seton Hall, which beat Marquette and Villanova at home. Minnesota, which beat Purdue at home, uh, lost at Maryland on Friday. Temple won at UConn and, and beat UCF at home, which was a big one. 
Indiana won both games at Illinois versus Rutgers. Creighton had an overtime win against Providence and then beat DePaul. Uh, and um, Clemson won at Notre Dame and also beat Syracuse at home. Uh, any of those teams or any other teams that helped themselves this week that you wanted to discuss? I just want to talk about Florida and Texas because I picked those teams. I said, oh, they have chances to get good wins when they play mm-hmm. in Florida State, in Florida's case, versus LSU and then at Kentucky, lost both. Texas, I'm like, oh, they can get one of these games at Texas Tech uh, home versus TCU. Nope, lost both. Uh, Indiana, man, they must be kicking themselves after all their midseason struggles. Just that terrible losing streak. Now they're back in it. And I'm looking at the uh, our friends at uh, T and the last four buys right now are Florida, still Minnesota, Utah State, Indiana. So Indiana is now even above the last four in, and then the last four in are Seton Hall, Texas, Temple, and Belmont with Creighton and St. John's on the Big East bubble. I feel like the Big East is going to shuffle a lot based off what happens at the Garden this week. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. It's just a, it's a it's a weird bubble, not a good bubble as always, but. Uh, so sometime between next week and the, this week in the selection show, we should try to go back and figure out what year was a good bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it does seem – I know that adding the four teams makes it worse. Um, it, I think what we're also seeing is that the mid-major conferences are not pres- uh, providing as many good teams as they used to. We just looked at the Missouri Valley. We could also look, if we wanted to, and we have in the past in this podcast, at the Atlantic 10 and the Mountain West Conference. Um, and I think what – you're seeing is instead of teams like say a team like temple well temple is in the position this year but teams from the from mid-major george washington or um san diego state or illinois state who had would have really good records like 22 23 wins but maybe not have as many good quality wins those would be the teams getting the last couple spots or being in the running for it and you wouldn't have as many teams with like two three four games under 500 in their conference in a major conference it, it does feel like at least in terms of uh i guess we, it's something we could study during the offseason that the, that the major conferences are getting a larger share of the good teams and it's i don't think it's so much that the major conference teams are getting better it's that i guess it's all relative it's that the mid-major conference teams are getting worse um and so the it, the optics are not as good so you look at a team like texas texas is like 16 and 15 or something they're 16 and 15, and and they're in right now, according to some. Florida is 17 and 14, and they're not even in the last four in. They're they're in safely, um, according to some metrics. Um, you have so those are two examples of teams from like good conferences who play tough schedules. Florida's schedule is ranked 17th in the country this year. Texas is ranked 13th, who have weak records but are uh, are looking like they're going to get in or could get in. Indiana's 17 and 14. Teams that were 17 and 14. Those, that kind of record would not have gotten you in years ago. Um, so part of it is more conference games, notably in the Big Ten, and part of it is maybe uh, slightly tougher non-conference schedules some of these teams, and I think a big part of it is you're just not seeing the kind of 7th, 8th, ninth best conference in the country, not to mention the Pac-12, which is basically as good as a mid-major this year, providing that many teams that can compete. And so I, I would say that that's why it seems even weaker year by year. And, and until we get mid-majors that are better, it'll still feel weak. Yeah, I'm by that there. I think that's a good breakdown of exactly what's happening. And like right now you have the Pac-12 regular season champions lined up as about a 10 seed, which is unth- would have been unthinkable even a few years ago. And is that the only team they have in the tournament? Or they have, um, yeah. According to the bracket matrix, they, they have Washington as the top nine. I think that they like 
well, the bracketologists may like it more than the kind of formula that Bartorvik has. Uh, the Arizona State is the third to last team in um, as a 12 seed, and then uh, no one else. Oh, like Oregon has one bra- is in one bracket for bracketology, but uh, for bracket matrix. But I don't think that's one is an outlier. I would say it's also crazy that a top two team in the a top two league in the country is probably going to have. Well, what does bracket matrix have? Texas Tech right now. Because they're the highest seed out of the, pack, the Big 12. They have they them as a three. They are as a number two, a, three seed. Yeah, they're gonna have a, not going to have a top not gonna have a top two seed after with that league. If Kansas had won that league, they would be a top two seed. So Yeah, they, right course, now, we see, I, think, I think if Texas Tech wins out, if they win the conference tournament, they'll be a two seed. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't expect both. Uh, Michigan is kind of vulnerable, probably the most vulnerable two seed. Although, of course, LSU won the SEC, and if they went out, you know, it, it feels like between LSU, Kentucky, and Tennessee, maybe not all of them will be in the top two lines. One of them will probably be a three, maybe two of them. But Houston's another team to consider as well, as we kind of are jumping around here. Houston only has the two losses this year. They went in and destroyed a good Cincinnati team on the road to sweep the Bearcats. I think they're like 29-2 and two at this point, something ridiculous. Um, so they could be, if they win the AAC, could be considered a candidate for a two seed as well. Yeah, they are twenty nine. Uh, the Big Tw- yeah. yeah, yeah. The Big Twelve. Uh, they have a three, two fours, a seven, an eight, a nine, a ten, and an eleven. Uh, the ten and eleven being Texas and TCU, who are uh, definitely vulnerable. It, it feels like especially Texas with with that record, and Texas does not get the benefit. We, we talked about this uh, in a little bit with the conference tournament. St. John's. Actually, because they lost again, they are eight and ten, but they finish with the seven seeds. So they'll get a game in the pre-quarters against DePaul. Whereas Texas, despite the fact that they have such a mediocre overall record, they um, they were the they're the sixth seed in the Big Twelve tournament, so they don't get that kind of game to get them to seventeen and fifteen. If they lose at sixteen and fifteen, I don't see them getting in at sixteen and sixteen. Um, and they're going to play Kansas in their first game, so they're definitely not going to be favored in that game. Yeah. I agree wow. with that. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, not much else to talk about when it comes to the teams in the on the bubble. Ohio State is a big game today, though, at, against Wisconsin at home. They lost at Northwestern. Northwestern's only win since I don't know the Truman administration. Um, and um, and then we saw Alabama, who lost at home to Auburn, and then lost a bad loss at Arkansas. And finally, NC State lost at home to Georgia Tech on Wednesday a team that has an RPI now after... Again, RPI is not a recognized metric anymore, but their RPI after winning at Boston College yesterday is, according to one tweet I saw, 102. And doesn't NC State have the 353rd ranked uh, non-conference schedule in the country this season? Or, or that was true entering today? Is that possible? Yeah, I think it depends on what metric you're looking at. Uh, according to... Uh, oh, you have a, it, it must be non-conference. Yeah, not, yeah right? non-conference, yeah. yes. Yes, it's definitely 353 in Ken Palm. It's, so that's dead last. Um, yeah, their non-conference, they played one, two, three, four, five. Their first five games, plus a game against USC Upstate, were against teams not in the top 315 in the country. Like, like what are you doing? Um, and they only played one true road game out of conference, and that was at Wisconsin, and it was their only non-conference loss. So, okay, anyway, um, the North Carolina State, Kevin Keats, the Dar... Uh, Speaking of Kevin Keats, it came a conversation today. I was talking to uh, my cousin Albert, and uh, he's a UCLA alum. Um, obviously, he doesn't want to talk much UCLA basketball this year. Wait, why not? Uh, UCLA has a seven. <laughs> <laughs> UCLA has a seven seed in the uh, Pac-12 tournament, but uh, he's talking about potential uh, NCAA uh, candidates to replace 
uh, Murray Bartow, the interim coach, who's, of course, uh, stepped in for Steve Alford around uh, Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. Um, and I was mentioning how some of the top names came up originally, Eric Musselman and, and Fred Horry, didn't seem like good fits for UCLA because of their recruiting style. Um, and he mentioned um, uh, several names, including Kevin Keats, and also noted, which has been public, obviously, that Bob Myers, the Golden State Warriors GM, is part, part of, if not leading, the search for the new candidate. And he mentioned that the top target appears to be Tony Bennett. So I don't... I, I think that the best shot of getting Tony Bennett is another early uh, NCAA tournament flameout for UVA, and maybe he just feels like it's better to move on and try somewhere else. But um, I, it seems like they're looking at a lot of candidates who don't play what you consider a classic UCLA fast-breaking style. That Jamie Dixon, um, we, you, I mentioned Tony Bennett, uh, Chris Beard, I was also mentioned. Uh, these are guys who are defensive-minded, slow-paced coaches um and although tcu this year is more in offense and defense but in general i wonder how that style will play in um in westwood can you can you imagine how crazy it is that it's not a slam dunk that tony bennett should leave virginia to go to ucla <laughs> that's how crazy how much the tides have turned and of course tony bennett's washington state head coaching job is probably one of the top what 15 10 performances uh mm-hmm. in the last 20 years in the sport yeah, and I would put what Chris Beard's doing right now. That's his tech in that list as well. Um, Elite Eight last year with a, with a bunch of no-name recruits, replaced almost all of them this year with a couple transfers as well, and, and he's got the uh, Big 12 champion, co-champion. Yeah. Those are not easy schools to win at. No. Um, so let's look at our top 25. We put together yes. our final top 25 and just want to make sure people understand what this is. It's not who's playing the best right now. It's not like best resume for the NCAA tournament. This is, in order, the 25 teams we think are most likely to win the national title. Um, so number one means if we had to, to rank, if we had to pick the team we think is going to win the title right now, this is who we would pick. And then if that team doesn't win, who's most, next most likely all the way to 25? So we've done this about once every five weeks since uh, around Thanksgiving. Um, and so we'll talk about our, uh, again, the, and the purpose of this is, is basically to say, well, what should be the purpose of polls? And one purpose might be to actually use some of the knowledge that you might, one might have as a basketball person to look at more than just like um, the RPI or KPI or resume or, or Ken Palm to say, what are some other factors that make this team actually a more viable or less viable national title contender than, uh, they, than meets the eye? Um, and so the idea was, was, and this is what Ken Pomeroy's idea, was to change the AP poll to basically incentivize, or that's a, uh, I know it's a word you don't like, Tom. It's not, to it is, you're incentive. right, I don't like it, yeah. There we go. Yeah. See, was that so hard? To create, no, it wasn't that hard. Uh, to create incentives, or an incentive, to basically um, make the AP poll reflect the common perception of who is actually most likely to win the title at any given point in the season. And so his idea was basically put a prize, like $100,000, a million dollars, whatever it would be, for the AP pollster whose polls throughout the season best reflects or ha- or had the eventual champion highest. Is, this, is so he going to do it, by the way? Here. Do you think he's going to follow through on this? It was just, I don't think so. I think I've followed through a lot more than he has since then. Um, so <laughs> If anyone's uh, going to follow so through the, on it, it would be Ken Palm. Yeah. <laughs> we need, he needs a, the athletic to sponsor it. They should have an athletic poll. Um, because he works for the athletic now, and they have like a, a hundred thousand writers on staff. Yeah, um, <laughs> all figures of problem. So, yeah. 
So um, anyway, we'll talk about this poll, but I'm all, we also talk about our aggregate poll. Basically, each of our kind of rankings of all the teams on our November 26th, January 1st, February 2nd, February 4th, rather, and March 10th, that's today, I was recording polls. And that will determine, basically, depending on who wins the title, who actually won the poll between Tom and I. And looking at it, actually... Between Tom, Tom and me, really since, we're, since we're correcting grammar today, it'll be between yeah. Tom and me. Now, I totally accept that correction, Thomas. Um, so, uh, top twenty-five. Um, I I don't want to read it out, but let's read. Um, we'll read out our top five, and then um, and then make note of other teams below. So, the top five is different, and this is we're, you know we're not bearing the lead here. Uh, the first three polls, we both had Duke ranked number one, and here on this fourth poll, since the last poll, of course, Zion Williamson got hurt. Um, Duke has lost several games, including to North Carolina twice, to Virginia Tech, and nearly lost a game that I was watching at uh, LAX to Wake Forest at home um, on Tuesday. So neither of us have Duke ranked number one. Tom, tell us who you have ranked ahead of Duke and why you put those teams or that team there. So I have uh, Duke ranked third. I have Virginia and North Carolina both ahead of Duke, which I have at number three. And then I have Gonzaga and Kentucky rounding out my top five. So I just, I mean, I know Virginia lost twice to Duke, but they didn't lose twice to Duke in its banged up state that it is right now. And North Carolina has beaten Duke twice. Obviously, Zion's played a total of, what, 27 seconds in those two games. So that's, uh, the wins aren't as impressive as the fact that I think they're just better positioned now entering the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament to make a deeper run. I think they're deeper, they're a deeper team. I think Virginia is a better team right now. I think Carolina is a deeper team. Their style, obviously, is very frantic for Carolina, and it plays well against Duke. Um, Duke looked unsettled again in the second half last night after looking unsettled the entire game at home. Um, I'm just, again, not sure about the depth in the front court for Duke um, going into this tournament. I think it's a major problem, especially when people pick up fouls. These games, you can they can turn on an overly cautious coach taking a player out with two fouls. In the first half, you can fall behind by 10, and then be playing catch up the rest of the game so that's why i have uh i think virginia is the best team in the country so i have north carolina ahead of duke and i have virginia because i think they're the best team in the country and they're healthy so i also have duke third um and i also have virginia ahead of duke but i do not have virginia first i this is one of the teams that we've actually disagreed on the most or like i've been much higher on than you this year and that i have number one gonzaga uh they're the best offense in the country killian tilly may be able to chip in down the stretch here um, their defense is good. Uh, Brandon Clark, one of the best defensive, player, defensive players in the country, he really should be in the contention for um, both Defensive Player of the Year and First Team All-America. Um, so I have Gonzaga 1, Virginia 2, Duke 3, North Carolina 4, and Kentucky 5. So we have the same five teams in a different order, um, and the biggest difference is with Gonzaga. Um, you know, I feel like there is a lot of risk with all of the top few teams, Gonzaga, the risk there is one they haven't played a lot of good teams recently. Uh, even though the West Coast Conference is pretty solid, they haven't played top top physical, uh, athletically imposing teams, uh, and they're not that big. Um, they, you know, Brandon Clark is terrific down low, um, but both Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura are about six eight. They're, they're, this isn't, Brandon Clark, if he were six eleven, I think it'd be a slam dunk for me that I would take Gonzaga one. But I hesitated because of the fact that they could run into a team with a big front line and run into some troubles. I'm thinking like Kentucky, I'm thinking, you know, potentially North Carolina. Um, not that they're like that imposing, but when you have Luke May and Garrison Brooks down there who can do things, Duke with uh, with Zion obviously can create problems. 
already played Gonzaga this year. Um, I have Virginia number two. The risk with them is always the slow pace um, can keep teams in it. And if teams just knock down threes, you saw that with Duke this year, and we saw, of course, with the UMBC last year, that you could run into a game where even a not-so-great team can knock down a bunch of threes, you fall behind, and it's tough to come back. Now, I do think this Virginia team is better than last year's team. Um, of course, last year's team at this point in the season still had Don De- DeAndre Hunter healthy, um, and he is probably their best player. Um, so you t- last year, maybe he wasn't, but this year he certainly is. So I have Virginia, too. No, no slight to them. I'm a huge Virginia guy. I kind of hope that they—I definitely hope they go to the Final Four. Duke, three. North Carolina, I really like. We both went to go to the national title game and win it this year at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, Nazir Little's been fine. Uh, hasn't really stepped into it in a huge way, um, in, into a role. But uh, but he's providing pretty good minutes when he's out there. And, uh, and, you know, Kobe White has been much better than we expected. Cameron Johnson has been terrific. And Luke May continues to be very good. He wasn't even, didn't even do anything against uh, Duke. He dominated the first game, but he went two for nine on twos and one of four on threes in this last game. He did have seven assists, so he's more of a facilitator. Um, and the thing about it is North Carolina's offense wasn't great in either of the Duke games. It's been their defense that has been much better um, against Duke. And their defense is up to 11th in the country overall, even though it's only sixth in the ACC during the conference season. So uh, number five, I put Kentucky in there. You can talk about who we put below them. You can guess who the next five teams are. But... Um, you know, Kentucky, despite the fact that they had that bad loss to Tennessee, uh, has been very good the second half of the season and is a very talented team that uh, that can really defend and can pound you inside. What about your next five, Tom? Or uh, my next five, let's start with number eight, six, eight, Tennessee, uh, co-runners up in the SEC. Then I have Purdue, kind of one of the most under-the-radar teams, I think, across the country all year and staying that way right now. They're at seven. Then I have Michigan, Michigan State out of the Big Ten. And then I have Texas Tech, who... If they uh, make the Final Four, it will be impressive for them, and I think a credit to their basketball team. I do not think it will be pleasant to watch. But uh, those mm-hmm. are my those are my teams. I kind of stacked my conferences here. <laughs> Top three ACC, then I did two SEC back-to-back, then I did three uh, Big Ten back-to-back, and then the Big 12 representative in Texas Tech. So, I mean, really, if you go out of the um, – the Big Ten, any of those three teams could make the deepest run. It's a legitimate Final Four team and can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. I think Texas Tech can make a huge run in the NCAA tournament just based on their defense alone and their coaching. And then Kentucky, obviously super athletic, uh, really dangerous, really imposing. And Tennessee, um, well, Kentucky is my fifth seed, but uh, Tennessee also depth problems, but you know, great players, strong backcourt with Jordan Bone. Grant Williams is a monster. Uh, and they... Uh, kind of have scuffled a little at the end, but I think they will um, be in a prime position to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So I'm not really hating any of those teams uh, entering March. Yeah, Tennessee is uh, defense is 27th in the country after being 6th last year, um, but their offense is 3rd in the country being 36th last year. So uh, they've kind of flipped their strengths a little bit. Um, this is not a team that shoots so many 3-pointers. 324th in the country in 3-pointers attempted. They're going to try to beat you uh inside with uh, really effective two-point shooting good free throw shooting um and so anyway i have tennessee in my we have the same top 10 actually the same five teams in our in our second little set of five but in a different order i have michigan state six tennessee seven texas tech eight purdue nine and michigan ten texas tech is another team like gonzaga that i've been a lot higher on than you have this year tom and at times that looked not so good not wasn't that long ago Texas Tech was on a big losing streak they couldn't score at all and they completely flipped it and have won now nine straight games. And nine straight wins in the Big 12 is, like, ridiculously hard to do. 
um, and four of them were on the road. You know, mo- most of them weren't close. They did have a, a home OT win against Oklahoma State, which is strange. Um, but their other closest win was a seven-point win on the road at Iowa State. Other than that, we talked about last week, we have to go through again. Every other win was by at least 15 points, or a 12-point win at Oklahoma. But basically, they were blowing teams out. Yeah. And they and they finished the conference season fourth in the Big 12 in offense, which is, you know, the Big 12 is a big defensive conference, but, you know, you're fourth. It's top half. It's not like it, you know, like your Providence or Northwestern that can't score at all and is finishing last, which is why they're not going to state tournament, whereas Texas Tech, also a good defensive team, a great defensive team, is ranked uh, eighth for me um i have purdue ninth and michigan 10 so we, we both have the three uh big 10 teams we've been di- in different orders i have michigan state a couple spots clearly ahead i know that they're banged up they won't get josh langford back nick ward is not back and may not return for another week or two and who knows what he's going to be when he does uh but they've shown the ability to play well without him and i i am concerned about the um how much they have to rely on Cassius Winston, but ultimately, uh, it was. I was thinking about Michigan State versus Tennessee versus Texas Tech. Michigan State seemed the most balanced team of those uh, of those teams. Um, even all three of those teams, Tennessee and Texas Tech, they don't have really high recruits at all. So I guess talent-wise, Michigan State's probably at least a little bit better. Although t- Tennessee does have uh, Schofield and Grant Williams. Yeah, everyone talks about how Tennessee doesn't have any top 100 recruits coming out of. Uh, high school i'm not sure that's a testament to just like how great a developer rick barnes is or is it how great a spotter talent spotter his coaches are his staff is in recruiting these guys or how bad the rankings are of these high school players a little combination of all three of those factors but um you know that's been talked about a lot it's a credit to them that he's done it without these quote-unquote high-priced we don't have to say quote-unquote but high-priced players coming out of high school uh so credit to him there and uh, texas tech really you know they have five losses this season it's crazy three of them came in a seven-day span in mid-january when they lost to iowa state baylor and kansas state all in seven days from january 16th through january 22nd their other loss was to duke at the garden a game they were in for three quarters of the game and they lost at kansas which of course there's no shame there on february 2nd and since then they haven't lost so they are a very streaky and very scary looking team Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My last thing on uh, on Tennessee, we talk about the the lack of talent or whatever it might be, but uh, they probably have two borderline first round picks on uh, on that roster like this year. So Schofield and Grant Williams will either be picked in the first round or will just miss being picked in the first round, depending on uh, how they do in their in their workouts. Eleven through fifteen, Tom, who do you have? Uh, Eleven. Actually, let's, uh, yeah. yeah. Go. Uh, go uh, just tell me. Tell me the rest of the teams. I think we can yeah. uh, focus on. Uh, yeah. 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 But I go Florida State, then Kansas at number twelve, just to show some love. Virginia Tech, I think, will be dangerous. I have Houston down here at fourteen. LSU at fifteen with their coaching situation. Obviously, a Sweet Sixteen contender for sure, but still a lot of question marks. Wisconsin sixteen. Marquette stumbling there now at seventeen. Villanova. Still behind them at 18. Iowa State, a very dangerous team in the tournament. They're three-point shooting. They are at 19. Uh, Maryland, 20. Buffalo, 21. Uh, Wofford, 22. Syracuse with their zone, 23. Nevada, uh, all the way down to 24. And Baylor and their offensive rebounding prowess at 25. Nevada, how the mighty have fallen. A top 10 mm-hmm, team mm-hmm. with all these transfers. And they are, you know, you could argue one of the most disappointing teams in the country this year to fall so far obviously kansas would be up there nevada or down there nevada would be down there um those are two of the teams that jump out um so yeah i think there's some dangerous teams in there virginia tech florida state would not be surprised at all if they made the elite eight kind of like florida state did last year 
Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Iowa State. I could see making a run to the Elite Eight. Um, but this is a this is a crazy stretch where like I think these teams are capable of beating anybody. I just don't see them as likely uh, to get super mm-hmm. far in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, this is where the disagreements start for you and me. The biggest disagreements we had in the top 10 were me having Gonzaga and Michigan State three spots higher than you. But outside the top 10, um, I also had, so I, I started with Houston at 11, three spots higher than you, but not really, that's not a significant amount really. Virginia Tech, Florida State, uh, basically about the same as what you had them, a spot or two different. And then I had uh, Kansas State at 14. You didn't have Kansas State, a co-Big 12 champion. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we, you and I are going back and forth on how much we like um, Bruce Weber. It's like it's my turn to be high on Bruce Weber this month after it was, I think, your turn last month. Uh, so I have them at 14. We both have LSU and Wisconsin at 15 and 16. Um, and then I, after that, I, I, it's, I think it's kind of a, a crapshoot. Um, I actually put Nevada at 17th. I, you know, they do have the ability to be dominant. They could put it together. Eric Musselman does seem like a pretty good game coach. It feels like the upside is there. Um, I had Kansas way down at 18, which is uh, five spots, six spots lower than what you, where you have them. Uh, they lost again this week to Oklahoma. They still haven't gotten LaGerald Vic back. Um, 19, I put Auburn, which is, again, I feel like we flipped on that one too. I used to be high on Auburn, and hey, but now I'm They high finally beat someone, uh, finally. It took the yeah. last week of the regular season, but they finally beat someone good in Tennessee. <laughs> Congratulations, Bruce Pearl. You've finally done it. Yeah, they didn't have a quality win. They didn't have an A win in Ken Palm until March 2nd, but then they got three in a row. Home to Mississippi State, at Alabama, and home to Tennessee. So, um, By the way, just... I was impressed. You know, we'll see. I, I, when you're the 19th most likely team to win the NCAA tournament, you're not very likely to win the NCAA tournament, but no. I did put Auburn at 19. Just, by the way, speaking of three big wins lately, can we, I just want to, because we kill the Pac-12, and we kill everybody. But California, up to, up to 247th in Ken Palm, mm-hmm. started the Pac-12 season... 0-15, finished with three straight wins. Washington, Washington mm-hmm. State, and even won a road game at Stanford. So congratulations to Viking Jones in his last year as California head coach. Uh, good finish to the regular season. Anyway, back to more important things. Well, yeah, I'm just that's a weird season to look at on Kempom. <laughs> just the, the way the way it's colored. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very strange. Just, to, just take a second, spend the, put down the 20 bucks if you don't already. <laughs> Go to KenPalm.com and take a look at California's page. Um, so I have uh, I have 20th Iowa State, um, which is – they were one of my biggest droppers. They were my biggest dropper, actually. They dropped 11 spots in the previous month. Uh, they really struggled uh, at times down the stretch. But, again, they do have some tantalizing talent. They're 10th in the country on offense, but their defense has really struggled. And their offense hasn't been all that good. The Big 12 is not a great offensive league, and they're third. It's not like they're, like – excellent offensively and they've lost six of their last eight um the two wins were at kansas state and home to oklahoma um and they have gotten blown out actually they lost by 15 to west virginia they lost by 17 at texas and they just lost at home to texas tech by seven um so i'm a little bit skeptical about where they're going but with the the talent they have mariel shyak taylor horton tucker nick weiler babb tyrese halliburton cam lar linda wigginton i mean that, that team, to me, is more talented than Texas Tech. Probably more talented than um, a lot of teams that are ahead of them. So we'll see if it comes together in March. My bottom five in my top 25 are Marquette, Maryland, Villanova, Buffalo, Syracuse. Um, Marquette, Villanova, we both have in there. We both have dropped them, but I dropped them more than Tom did. Um, I'm kind of out on Villanova. They just um, – it looked like they were about to put together and become an elite offensive team, and then that didn't happen. 
um, and without that, they, they're not a great de defensive team. Marquette seemed to be more balanced, um, but they just can't seem to get out of their way down the stretch here. Um, I, it's, I'm unclear as to what the exact problem is, but they're, um, they're second in the Big East in offense and second in defense. You feel like that's a good combination, but um, their offense has really struggled the last few games. They scored 0 0.96, 0 0.86, and 0.90 points per possession in the last three games until they scored better against Georgetown, but in that game they gave up a ton of... Um, uh, of three-pointers, or almost 11 for 19 on three-pointers. I guess you can't blame them too much for that, but they also gave up 39 free-throw attempts. Um, Marquette is a team that, uh, in the past, they're probably their biggest weakness is that they foul too much. They're, they were ninth in free-throw rate done for defense in the Big East this season. Um, I put Syracuse in my 25th. I was looking at VCU. I was looking at Baylor, but I put Syracuse just because of that zone. They've beaten Duke twice. They're the kind of team that... You know, is there are they really a national title contender? It's hard to believe, but there's but is there really a realistic team who's twenty fifth, the twenty fifth best team in the country right now that could win the national title? Like I don't. Twenty fourteen like UConn. Yeah, twenty fourteen UConn is the only team that wasn't clearly like a top fifteen team by this point in the season to win the national title in memory. By the way, Syracuse um, only beat Duke once this year, just for the record. Yeah, that's that's a good call out. Um, they beat him. They beat him. Uh, they beat him on other occasions. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying there. But uh, uh, NCAA champions. Let's see. What besides UConn team? What is the worst NCAA champion? Uh, in like like the this millennium. What do you think in terms of like entering the tournament? How how good people thought they were. I'm mm -hmm. looking, and I, I it might be UConn 2011. It might be Florida 2006. It might be Syracuse 03. Oh, yeah, Carmelo Anthony. And what seed were they that year? Like a three, I think? Yeah. Um, let's um, see. It's tough. So, it's tough to beat Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's 2011, Connecticut. That, that team was the, a nine seed in the, uh, in the, in the Big East tournament. Uh, won the Big East tournament. Won, like, five games in five days. And, uh, yeah, Syracuse was a three seed in the East that year. Um... In 2011, Connecticut was a three seed in um, in the West, I think. Uh, yeah, they were a three seed in the West, and they beat knocked off um, Arizona. They, they they their road to the final four was kind of weird. They beat uh, Bucknell and then Cincinnati, a conference team, and then they beat San Diego State, which they were a two seed that year. They were good. They had uh, they have Kawhi Leonard in 2011. Mm, no, I don't think. Maybe we're gonna we're gonna go with no. I think that's probably a no. Um, they had uh, they did have Kyle no Leonard. wrong again. Sophomore. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then they beat Arizona that had just knocked off Duke um, in the regional semifinal. And then in the in the um, final four they beat Kentucky and then Butler um, in one of the worst championship games ever. No, I say the worst championship game ever. Um, Butler was like two of thirty for two points field goal, so wasn't pretty. Yeah, and then 2006 Florida is the only other one that I could, at first glance, seemed possible. But that team was uh, obviously won the title the next year. So obviously, in retrospect, they were one of the great teams of the millennium. So it's hard to say. They were also a three seed. They knocked off a Villanova in the Elite Eight, or a really good Villanova team, and then went to a, a really weak Final Four, much like when Connecticut has won their titles. It's Especially 2011 Connecticut was in a weak Final Four. 2014 Connecticut... You know, Kentucky was uh, Kentucky was a low C, but Wisconsin was good, and Florida was really good, and they ended up winning that Florida one. Florida also so, won the SEC championship, that the title that took 
the tournament that year. They had some really good wins throughout the season too. So, I think the our overall point before we move on to this conference tournament thing is uh, if you're not if you're not Connecticut if you're not Connecticut you better be like a top twelve team in America right now if you want a chance to win the national title. Yeah. So, and the reason why I say that now is because. It doesn't matter if I put Syracuse or VCU or Providence or Savannah State 25th. They're not winning the national title. Or Cal. Or Cal. Uh, lastly, we, we look at the aggregate. I said I would mention that. So we basically put together our four polls each to see who we had it rated highest. Because the idea is whoever wins a title, like whoever had them rated highest wins. wins. So we both had Duke with the exact same ranking first overall across the four polls and 98 points. So if Duke wins, neither, we, split, we, uh, we push this pool. But then Tom has a big advantage because he dropped Gonzaga so far down across the board, like for in general, that he gets Virginia, North Carolina, Michigan, and Kentucky. If they win the title, Tom wins the pool. I get Gonzaga. Uh, I also no, get I, Michigan State. I just like to say, Gonzaga. you say I dropped Gonzaga down. Maybe you overrated them. Like you're saying. No, no I'm. I, yeah, I'm saying, saying if you wanted to game, if you wanted to game <laughs> this this uh, exercise. You, what you really would have done is you would have um, put Duke one spot higher. If you put Duke one spot higher in this poll, you would get basically Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, but Michigan. But this is proof that I didn't want to gain the system, and I, I did it as a, a true exercise within the confines and ethics of the contest. And I think that... Or it's, or it's a long con. It's some kind of long con. <laughs> I think that Gonzaga... I don't, I'm still not as high on them as you are. I think they're a very good team. I think they're very scary, and I think they could win the national title. But I'm not as high on them as you are, and the rankings show that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to the first podcast after Gonzaga gets knocked out of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I'm not looking forward um, to the podcast on t- Tuesday, April 7th, when Gonzaga wins the NCAA tournament. <laughs> is that the day? When is the championship? Uh, the things we should know if you do a college basketball podcast. Uh, Tuesday. A- the, the, April 9th. 9th. Yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I guess one thing we should settle here, Tom, is wh- who gets the team if if I have them ranked higher, but you have them with more aggregate points? Who gets that team if they win the title? You mean ranked higher in the last poll? No, like in the overall poll. Like the overall poll, like when you rank all of our all of our four polls, each of us, I have Tennessee seventh, and you have Tennessee eighth, but you actually have more across the polls. You've had Tennessee on average higher. Oh, I think uh, I think you should get so there's three teams that that fits. The aggregate so three, poll. so ten. Yeah. Yeah, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, and Villanova are the three teams that. So I I get Tennessee and Tom gets Virginia Tech and Villanova. So basically, let, let's only look at I I would say the top uh, eighteen or well basically I can tell you who Tom gets and who I get. The one team neither of us gets is Duke, but Tom gets Virginia, North Carolina, Michigan, Kentucky, Kansas, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Purdue, Villanova, Auburn, and Marquette and LSU. Um, he also gets Washington or some other team, other team if they end up winning the title. I get Gonzaga, Tennessee, Michigan State, Nevada, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Iowa State, Houston, Kansas State. Uh, I also get Oregon, so that's good for me, just in case. Um, I advantage Tom unless Gonzaga wins it. Um, so there, there you have it. There's our top 25. Um, Virginia, Gonzaga, North Carolina, right there with Duke now, if not ahead of them, uh, for both Tom and for me, which makes the, uh, the upcoming... March Madness, a li- uh, slightly more interesting than we thought maybe a couple of months ago when Duke looked like a potential super team. They clearly are not. I think even with Zion, they are not really a super team at all. They're a flawed team. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on to the conference tournaments. As we record, five of the six major conference tournaments um, have uh, have been decided in terms of the bracket. 
Um, I did want to note one other tournament that's happening tonight. If you, you're probably not going to listen tonight, but Lipscomb's playing Liberty in the Linux Sun final. That's going to be a really good game. I recommend watching it, recording it, watching it uh, after it happens. If you are like, oh crap, it's Monday. I need to. I didn't listen, but or watch. But that's going to be a good game uh, on Sunday night. But we're looking at the six major conference tournaments. And what we're going to do in this activity is uh, draft the teams we think are going to do the best in those tournaments. Um, so you get 16 points for a champion, 8 points for a runner-up, 4 points for a semifinalist, 2 points for a quarterfinalist. If I thought about more, I might have done most wins, which would have been interesting with teams that have to play all these games like in pre-quarters and that sort of thing. But that's not what we're doing. We're doing the teams most likely to win the major conference tournaments. Um, there's a couple notes. Uh, I guess we can talk about when we, as we go through. Um, do you want first pick or next two, Tom? I'll take next two. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Oh, man, this is tough. I think there are two legitimate picks for the first pick, so I kind of was hoping you would take it. But uh, I know. Yeah. I'm going to select... Okay, let's look at the brackets. I'll just tell you, I'm sure you're going to take one of the other teams, but I'm looking at Virginia Texas Tech with my first pick. Um, you may not be looking at those two teams, but those, are, I think, are the two top teams to pick. Um, but if you look at the brackets, let's take a look at these. This is a good chance to talk a little bit about the, um, the ACC and the Big 12 brackets, the ACC and Big 12 being the third and second best conferences in the country this year. Um, let's see. ACC tournament, as I mentioned, is in Charlotte, and the Big 12 tournament is in, what, Kansas City, right? Yeah. So the Big 12 tournament, uh, Texas is the number two seed. They will play the winner of Oklahoma and West Virginia, and then they will play through Kansas or Texas into the final, where, of course, they can get whoever's on the other side of the bracket, namely Kansas State, Baylor, or Iowa State. Uh, Virginia is the number one seed in the ACC tournament. They will play the winner of NC State and Clemson, and they also will play through the Florida State-Virginia Tech quarter. The other side is the side that has North Carolina and Duke. Um, I am going to take uh, Virginia. So I think that's a like smarter pick, and that if I had picked first, that's who I would have taken, just because they have such an easier path. If you go by uh, Ken Palm's predictions or chances of winning, they are the highest team in the major conference. And they're, as I said, I think they're the best team in the country. And they only have to, to not have to play Duke and North Carolina, just play one of those two and get that Florida State quarter and get that NC State Clemson game in the first round as opposed to a tricky game possibly against Louisville or a tricky game against Syracuse. You know, that is yeah, a, Syracuse is a little bit tricky. That is a big, big advantage for Virginia in that tournament. So I think that's a good pick. Uh, I will take Texas Tech as you mm-hmm. foreshadowed. And then for my next pick, um, I am debating a couple here, but I, yeah, yeah, I see, I see like six or seven potentially picks that I wouldn't scoff at. Six or seven that you wouldn't scoff at. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's really balanced from here. Yeah, it's very balanced. Now, Duke right now is the second favorite in the ACC, considerably higher than North Carolina, despite the fact. Uh, that they've lost to him twice, according to Ken Palm. I'm not touching that situation right now. Uh, the Pac-12 is, an obviously, is obviously a mess. Oregon's playing well of late, and Washington is the favorite there. Uh, the SEC is up for grabs for sure in this situation. And also the Big 12, 
you have really a mess between Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State. Um, so I'm going to go back to... And you have the Big Ten, which we don't even Oh, yeah, the Big yet, Ten, but... I haven't looked at the... Because uh, I'm clicking through the Ken Palm projections. The Big Ten, I'm yeah. also... Um, yeah, Michigan State's the one, Purdue and Michigan are the two. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin will either be the four or the five, depending on whether they beat uh, Ohio State. And yeah. Maryland would be the other one. I'm leaving the Big Ten out of it. Again, I, Purdue would be... If they were the one seed, I would pick them, but they're not. So they have to play Michigan possibly in the semis and then Michigan State the next day. Uh, that's tough. So I'm going to take enough preamble. I'm going to take Kentucky with my second pick here. Ooh, Kentucky. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, this is, this, is, uh, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, three picks in. It's already hands on his head time for Brendan. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Kentucky's out. So, um, yeah, I think that any of the three teams, I think Michigan State, Purdue are legitimate picks like Washington, Marquette, Tennessee, Villanova, Duke. Um, you know, the biggest is interesting is it's very balanced. And then Duke has to play through North Carolina. And obviously, North Car- you don't know what Duke's going to be in this tournament without Bolden and with Zion coming back. Um, Tennessee and Kentucky are going to be facing the semifinals, which leaves LSU on the other side of that bracket. Um, the Big East tournament, which we haven't talked about very much, has uh, Villanova on one side. Uh, Villanova will play through the um, uh, the four five, which is Creighton Xavier, um, and the eight nine also is a little bit interesting because Butler Providence; those are two kind of interesting teams in the eight nine game that play through Villanova. Um, Butler, both the teams got swept by Villanova, but uh, so maybe not that interesting. But on the other side, you have to Paul St. John's winner to play Marquette, and St. John's beat Marquette twice this year. St. John's also lost to DePaul twice this year, so that's kind of interesting. And then Georgetown. But what did Marquette do against DePaul? (laughs) I think Marquette definitely beat DePaul. Situation based on yeah. Marquette beat DePaul twice, DePaul beat St. John's twice, and St. John's beat Marquette twice. And they are seeded 2, 7, and 10 in the Big, e- in the big East. This is March. So you have pretty much all you want to know about how the Big East went this year. The other uh, quarter is Georgetown, Seton Hall on Thursday night, the last quarter. Um, uh, I'm stall- I've done enough stalling. I am going to take uh, Washington. Wow. We, the one, the one tournament we didn't really talk about in terms of like yeah. as I was doing all that discussion. I'm, I'm taking Washington. Um, that tournament is in Vegas, I believe, uh, is where the Pac-12 does it. Which you know, if, if you can possibly have your tournament in a location where none of your teams are located, you have to do that. I think um, Washington plays the winner of USC Arizona, then they play through Oregon State's quarter, which includes Colorado and Cal as well, and then the other side is the side that has Arizona State, Utah, or an Oregon are the two kind of most interesting teams there, not to mention UCLA, uh, which I just did mention UCLA. So, um, My other pick is going to be... Uh, is going to be Villanova. I think. Yeah, I might as well. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick Villanova. I know they're playing weirdly. They they seem to do pretty well in the, in in that tournament in general. They've won... Uh, of the five years, they won three of them. Uh, Seton Hall and Providence were the other winners. Um, and I think that having not having St. John's in their quarter 
uh, their side, their semi rather, and having Creighton and Xavier there instead. Even though they lost to Xavier recently, um, I do think that's a slight advantage. They also have, um, uh, yeah, who knows? It's a Big East. It's a weird. It's a weird stuff. Seton Hall's a team they just lost to, and they're in the other semifinal as well. So uh, I'm not great, feeling great about that. But um, yeah, and I like your pick. I kind of wish I taking your pick that you just did that you wrote down there tell us who you picked Tom I picked Michigan State again we're getting to that point of this draft where we're it's gonna have value like chances of reaching the semis reaching the final uh in this pool and the, these tournaments I think Michigan State has a good chance of doing that um they've been playing pretty well and they have the better half of the bracket so I think they will get to the Big Ten final whether they win is another story but I like Michigan State uh to get that far uh now we can go to some other teams I'm just gonna Keep uh, keep things safe and pick Tennessee. I think they're the next best team in the SEC. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU bombs out early from the SEC tournament after their little situation they have going there. Um, so give me Tennessee. So now I have Tennessee and Kentucky. So I, I'm pretty confident I'm going to have the SEC champion in there. Okay. Um, I am going to take... Duke. Okay, I'll take Duke. Zion's going to be back. Zion, as you may have noticed by how Duke's been playing without Zion, is pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, you know, Marcus Bolden's out, but I'm going to take Duke. And I am also going to take... You know, part of me is like, this is part of why I took Texas, uh, Virginia Tech to Texas Tech. Uh, it's just like, in Kansas City, it just feels like Kansas lives to, like, embarrass their rivals in Kansas City. So part of me wants to take Kansas State there, uh, but I'm not going to do it because it just, it just feels like semifinal, they're going to play Kansas and they're going to lose by 15 and, and all those fans in purple are going to be very sad and all the Kansas fans are going to be rock chalking and swaying and all that crap. Um so I'm going to go with, uh, as I'm boring Tom, Tom's yawning. You can't see this right now. But he is, it is 10.07 p.m. And uh, it's, yeah. it's time for dinner. Dinner's just starting, right? Didn't they start dinner at like I'm, 10 o'clock? I'm eating on American time dinners. I'm not eating, like, obviously, I mean, I eat dinner at 7 o'clock tonight. So it's Sunday. So a lot of restaurants yeah. are closed for dinner on Sunday, by the way. Well, the siesta just goes into the nighttime, apparently. Okay, so I am going to take... Um, Purdue. Ugh, no, I'm not doing. It. Oh God, God. This, this is tough. It's killing you. Yeah, it's killing. It's probably killing you more than it's killing me. No. Um, I'm taking Marquette. Might as well. Whatever. Okay. Got it. Um, I will take North Carolina just to play off your Duke pick. I think mm-hmm, they have a mm-hmm. great shot to uh to take care of business there. Then, By the way, I, I kind of think you're kicking my butt in this pool, I have to say, well, at first glance. I don't know how that's possible since I had that? picks. I, I could be picking other teams, but I think your Michigan State <laughs> North Carolina like, picks are good You typed in Villanova picks. as soon as... It's not like I've forgotten, you, like I've forgotten once, the picks. Once you said Villanova, I'm like, Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I wish I picked them. Anyway, I am taking North Carolina, and I'm going to take... Uh, see here, I could troll you and take Kansas State, but... and Because Kansas does not... Kansas is a checkered past at the Spurs Center. They lost to Oregon in the regional final two years ago. They've lost some Big 12 tournament games to TCU a couple years ago. They shouldn't have never lost. 
Um, they've lost to uh, they lose to Washington last year at Kansas Kansas City in the regular season. That was a really bad loss. But I'm taking Kansas, not Kansas State. So take Kansas State now. Now you can give you get yourself back in this thing if, if you really think you're out of it, which you're probably not. But anyway, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so you picked Kansas. Um, I'm picking Kansas State. Okay. And I'm going to pick the winner of Purdue-Michigan. So who is that going to be? That's the question. Purdue hasn't played Michigan since early in the season. They got blown out by them. This is the 2-3 in the Big Ten. Of course, they would have to get there, just in case people are wondering who they would play in, too. Not all the seeds are, are decided, but... It looks like um, the two Purdue would play into Minnesota, Penn State, likely, um, and then there's also the Illinois. Um, yeah, Minnesota, Penn State. The winner of Minnesota, Penn State would play Purdue, and then Michigan would play the winner of Iowa and the winner of Illinois Northwestern. So Illinois plays Northwestern, the winner plays Iowa, and the winner, and then the winner of that would play Michigan. Um, so I Purdue just lost to Minnesota on the road. You know, Michigan, Iowa's looked weak until they, they played well against Nebraska today, at least the last score, the last score that I saw. Um, John Beeline, the tournament is pretty tough. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Michigan. Let's do it. I like that pick. Uh, I'm going to take Purdue. And then, because all these tournaments are ranked evenly in our little situation here, I'm going to take Oregon. Team, a lot of people are tweeting about winning the Pac-12 tournament. They're the second favorite, according to Ken Palm. I'll, I think they're a good value pick at eighth because if they meet like the final, I get the same number of points in this pool as if Kentucky makes the SEC final. So, what's not to like? Yeah, Oregon. Well, it's not to like is Oregon is a six seed in the in the Pac-12, yeah, yeah. and so they have. Yeah, well, they play Washington State, so that's kind of a that's kind of a, a buy. Um, although Washington State did win at Arizona State this year. Um, where's my Pac-12? Oh, there's my bracket. Yeah, they play Washington State and they play Utah. Yeah, these are games that no one is going to see because it's the very last game each night, 11.30 Eastern time. So, and, and it's, like, scheduled 11.30. So it's probably going to be, like, 11.45 or 11.50. Tune in in Spain. It's 5 o'clock Madrid time. Yeah, so you could you could wake up in the morning um, and watch it at the gym if you can find a way to get the Pac-12 networks in... Uh, Slingbox. Uh, yeah. Uh, not the Pac-12 network. No, no, no. Oh. The Pac-12 networks. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they play through Utah and then Arizona State. Um, Oregon is, according to Kempom, the second favorite to win the yeah, tournament. that's why I picked them. And I think that's because they are the second-best team in the, in the Pac-12, according to Kempom, at 55th. The, um, they are ahead of Arizona State. It's the second, Colorado 63rd. Um, Washington's only 47th, by the way. So they're only really slight underdogs, except for the fact they played extra game than Washington is. Uh, they've won four straight. They, have, they swept Arizona-Arizona State, and they slept Washington-Washington State. On the road, they finished their season with an eight-point win at Washington. So, um, Oregon's on an upswing, and uh, and they're twenty and twelve. You know, I, I don't know. They're only a win. They have two a wins at Washington and Syracuse in neutral. They really like playing against the zone, apparently. Um, and so we'll see. Maybe Oregon. I don't really think they have a case for an at-large, but who knows? Um, so it's my turn. I'm going to take. Um, I'm going to take uh, Arizona State. They're winners of five of six. They are in the same uh, semi. They would be in the same semi as um, uh, Oregon. 
and um, and they've been playing pretty well too. Uh, they beat Arizona this weekend. Uh, their only loss in the last um, six games was to uh, where, where are they? They lost uh, at Oregon. Well, there you have it by twenty eight. Whoops. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, their only loss uh, since uh, the middle of February is at Oregon. Uh, they did have a win at Oregon State, and they beat Arizona on the road, as well as winning at Utah, who's, who they would play potentially if Utah were to beat Oregon. They're going to play one of those two teams probably in the semis. Uh, so I'll take Arizona State. And then the question becomes, how much do I trust LSU? LSU with a player suspended, with um, a coach who's been suspended, um, playing through a pretty difficult semi, you know, Auburn's there. Uh, South Carolina is the four seed. Um, yeah, I. Well, that's a tough one. There's a, there's a lot of interesting storylines actually. Now I think about it, like the fact that we don't know what's really going on with Zion, and they're playing into the UNC. The fact that we have an Auburn team that's kind of getting hot, while LSU is the is a title, uh, is the regular season champion. Um, I'm gonna go with Auburn. See, I was gonna pick Auburn, so I consider that a good pick. This brings up one of the uh, hot takes of the uh, of the um, this time of year that the first week of the, that the conference tournament week is way better than the first week of the first of the NCAA tournament because you have better teams playing each other, you have you know rivalries, you have a better schedule. You could argue. Um, so I do think it's better. I think the Sweet 16 on is obviously better because the games are better and the stakes are higher. But I feel like you have fewer blowouts in the conference tournament, um, and you just have you know it's Saturday. Where you just one championship game after another, two good teams playing each other is really one of the best days in the sport that I feel like doesn't get enough credit. But anyway, if you want to respond yeah, to I that, think, I think the energy there's an energy in the conference tournament week. You know, I try to always get to the Big East tournament for at least one or two sessions. Last year I was there for four sessions because Providence kept winning. Um, I do think there's a cool part about it, especially places where people walk around. I feel like it's probably similar in other cities. But, I mean, these are all based in cities where, like, when you're near the arenas, you're, like, walking around, you see all the fans with all their own, like, gear on, and, you know, and it's, like, an energy to that week. And there's, like, rivalries, but you're also kind of, like, supportive of each other in a sense. So, like, you're, like, team Big East, team ACC. I mean, the SEC is obviously beyond the pale when it comes to how, like, SEC-centric they are. Still uh, fighting the Civil War down there, apparently. Um <laughs> And uh, I will say that par- the teams don't really seem to treat the t- coaches don't really seem to treat this conference tournament week as as highly as like kind of aficionados who like to watch. Um, they don't seem to be as invested in many of the conferences. I think actually the Big East is an exception. Um, the ACC used to be an exception, maybe not anymore. Um, I think the you know I do think there's a high, it's a high quality of uh, of event in terms of the, the basketball, and I think in the NCAA tournament, you get a lot of blowouts, but what you also get that you don't get in the conference tournament is the David versus Goliath, the big upset. You know, if if Notre Dame somehow goes and beats, knocks off, like, Duke, like, that's a big upset, but right. it's like, but you know, it's yeah. not the same as, like, if, um, you know, well, UMBC beating Virginia is obviously the big, the number one example, but uh, I think that that's what the NCAA tournament has. The two things that it has, the first ra- two rounds of the NCAA tournament have that the college tournaments do not are that matchup that kind of like tier of matchup and then also the fact that it's so final that when you lose it's over um 
you know, the conference tournament, you teams will lose and they'll be upset sometimes. And a lot of times they'll be like, they'll kind of have a moment of upset and they'll be like, okay, we're, you know, we're ready to go to the NCAA tournament if they're an NCAA tournament team, obviously. Uh, but the finality of the NCAA tournament brings extra drama. Um, so I appreciate this week because I love the Big East tournament and I love conference tournaments, but uh, there, that is the missing element, the David versus Goliath, as well as the fact that when you lose the NCAA tournament, that's when people cry. That's when the players cry because their career may be over. Yeah. All good points. Uh, yeah, and it's for the and it's the road to the final four. It's you know you're, you know you're seeing like sometimes te- some teams have great escapes in the first round. UCLA uh, mm-hmm. against um, Missouri that Missouri. year. Yeah. So Ty and Boise. So you really do you know you can trace back championship moments that no one ever says oh we won this tournament when we went on that run. Maybe except for UConn, <laughs> we won this tournament. When we started this run in our conference tournament. We won the chi- title. No one ever goes back mm-hmm. that far. Uh, anyway, back to these picks here. I believe it's on me. I'm trying to see. Yeah, who. you have four more picks left. I have three more picks. I'm just going to take LSU because they're on the board and they're still pretty good. Um, we'll see. Could they could it could be a galvanizing moment for them, and they're pr- pretty high up to be still available at this point. And now we're starting to get to the dregs of these teams here. Uh, let's see. SEC is pretty much toast. Creighton and Seton Hall. Do I want to touch those teams? They could make the semis easily. Um, yeah, I'll go with Creighton. In the Big East. Okay. Um, I am going to take Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a top 12 team in uh, Ken Palm, and they're also what were first in the Big Ten in, in defense. Uh, obviously, they I'm not sure if a win Big Ten Player of the Year, but I think he's been the Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, and Ethan Happ, um, uh, kind of like an under-the-radar team, really, because of their style they play, the fact that there are three teams that are have been kind of more noteworthy in the league, um, and the fact they had a kind of a, a tough stretch. They had that ugly two-overtime game with Indiana. Um, what was the end of regulation score in that game? It was like the, the overtimes themselves had a combined 24 points in – uh, in the two overtimes, which is, is just pretty ugly. Um, but they're solid offensively, um, kind of mediocre offensively, but they're really good defensively. Um, and if they can get better play in the conference tournament from um, uh, guys like, let's, let's take a look, Ethan Happ actually had a below 100 O rating in the conference games this year, which is not good. No. So, yeah. So... Demetrius Trice also was below 100. They really did struggle offensively in the Big Ten season. So you could see if shots start falling in the NCAA, in the Big Ten tournament, this team could knock off uh, Michigan State um, when they played Michigan State uh, earlier this year. Like, like the, the tricky part about the Wisconsin pick is that they probably will have to play Maryland first, and they already lost to Maryland by four at home. They beat it, uh, on the road, they beat him at home. Um, when they played Michigan State, they lost by eight at home in a game I watched. That game had Nick Ward in it. But I'll take, I'll take Wisconsin, um, and then with my other pick, I'm going to take um, – I'm going to take uh, Seton Hall. Um, Seton Hall just beat Villanova. They've had a history of beating Villanova in big spots, including this, um, this tournament to win the tournament when they had um, – uh, Isaiah Whitehead uh, a while ago, so I was thinking about a different team, uh, but I'm going to go with Seton Hall. Cool. You have two more picks. I do, and I'm thinking about who do I think will win 
the game that is the loser to Virginia in the semifinal there. Virginia is going to be such a heavy favorite against Virginia Tech or Florida State, the 4-5 game. I wonder if I should try to pick that winner in that game. think I'll get a semifinalist out of it. But they have such a low chance of winning the tournament. That's not sure it's worth it. Uh, who are my other options here? Yeah, it's not a pretty selection field. But I'll take uh, – no one's taken Iowa State yet, right? Mm-hmm. No, so I'll take them. I think they're dangerous. They have yeah, that was the team I was debating with Seton Hall. Def- so I think that is the best team on the board. I took them. And now that leaves really a bunch of uh, crap. So let's see here. <laughs> a bunch of crap, several of whom will be in the Sweet 16. Yeah. No, well, actually, picks, that may not be the case. Uh, what are the odds that yeah. these two picks will be in the Sweet 16 right now? I think that I think there's a decent uh, chance that one of these teams will be in the Sweet 16. Mark this down. We'll review this in uh, mid-March. One of the, if I pick or you pick, this team is in the Sweet 16. I'm going to say it will not be. I know I should... I pick Wake Forest. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will take. You know what? I'll take Virginia Tech. Okay. So now I'm debating between. Um, Wake Forest. Take. Wake Forest. No. Um, I'm debating between Colorado and Oregon State in the Pac-12 and Maryland in the Big Ten. Um, so Maryland's obviously the better team. Um, so Colorado would have to pl- have to play Cal and then Oregon State, um, and obviously Oregon State doesn't have to play Cal, but that's basically like a buy anyway. They're both on the same half of the bracket as Washington. Um, let's see who is playing better right now. So Colorado has won three straight home wins over Utah, UCLA, and USC. Um, they are. They finished sixth in the Pac-12 in offense, fourth in defense. Uh, they finished ten and eight in the league overall. Oregon State has lost three or four, including an overtime loss at Washington. They did beat Washington State on the road. Um, they lost very close home games to Arizona and Arizona State. Um, they're second in the conference in offense and eighth in defense. Or I could take Maryland, clearly a better team, likely to play through Wisconsin and Michigan State. Um, Maryland has uh, lost recent games at home to Michigan and at Penn State by 17. They did beat Minnesota at home on Friday to finish 13-7 and in the Big Ten, which is uh, no small feat. But they did start 7-1, and so they were 6-6 six and six after that start. Um, I'm going to take uh, Colorado. So it makes it really hard for the, the, the claim that – if I really thought the team was going to make the 216, I would have picked Maryland. The odds of Colorado makes this team are not very good. Uh, Virginia Tech, Tech could definitely obviously make it, has a good I think chance. I even said that oh, yeah. earlier in the episode. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Colorado's so, fine. To review, our picks, to review our picks, uh, it's Tom and I each pick 12 teams at, that we think will advance fairly far in the conference tournaments. Um, I the first pick, Tom, and next two. Here are my 12, Virginia, Washington, Villanova, Duke, Marquette, Kansas State, Michigan, Michigan. I was going to say Michigan, it's Michigan, Arizona State, Auburn, Wisconsin, Seton Hall, Colorado, and Tom's, yours are? Texas Tech, Kentucky, Michigan State, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kansas, Purdue, Oregon, LSU, Creighton, Iowa State, Virginia Tech. Okay. Yeah. Well, there it is. Um, 
we do have uh, we don't have much more to talk about. Uh, we do hope that you watch the conference tournaments. As we talked about a little bit earlier, we wanted to spend some time on them because we uh, we do enjoy them. Sometimes they get overlooked because the t tournaments end on Saturday and the selection Sunday is Sunday, and no one really talks about what happened in the conference tournaments. We'll see what our schedules look like, but I, I do kind of hope to do a mini podcast maybe earlier on Sunday and then review the actual brackets later on either on Sunday or on Monday just so we can spend some time giving some due to these conference tournaments which I do think are a little bit undervalued by the general basketball populace uh, yeah that's great yeah but no, no promises are great European basketball viewing because the day games on whatever Wednesday and Thursday are prime time here in Spain so I'm excited yeah Wednesday let's let's see what kind of so Tuesday Let's see what kind of games you can get here. So Tuesday, March 12th, at 7 p.m. Spain time. So do the math wherever you are. Notre Dame, Georgia Tech. Okay, maybe skip that one. Let's move on to Wednesday. Uh, so Wednesday at uh, 5 p.m. in Spain, we have Clemson, North Carolina State. At uh, midnight, you have Butler, Providence. Um, at 2.30 a.m. in Spain, you have DePaul, St. John's. Not really. That's not really what you're – what your point was. 8 o'clock, you can watch Arizona, USC. Yeah. Um, 7 o'clock, Colorado State, oh, Boise State. Mm -hmm. How about but, 7 o'clock on Thursday? I have Arkansas, Florida. And then I have, uh, yeah, that's a good one. And I, the, usually the Big 12 games on Thursday are pretty good. You get and you have the Big East. You'll have Villanova, yeah. Villanova versus the winner of, um, yeah. of Providence Butler at 5. And then the next game will be um, Creighton versus Seton Hall. So you can watch some Big East. Um, and and then Friday you'll have uh, the uh, quarters for the Big Ten and the semis for uh, for all the other major leagues. So the semis I guess is going to be at night though, right? So yeah. It's really going to be quarters during the day. But I'll be back. So those quarters. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back for the championship games. I think I land at three o'clock on Saturday, so hopefully I get home in time for the good ones. Yeah, the quarterfinals of the Big Ten that you could watch during the day, like daytime here, but like evening there would be. Uh, Michigan State versus either Ohio State or Indiana. We know Michigan State's already lost to Indiana twice. Or and Wisconsin, Maryland. That's, that's a good doubleheader you could get there. The daytime games in uh, yeah. in the Midwest. Yeah. So anyway, if you're planning your viewing around what time the games are convenient in Western Europe, then the last three minutes have been very helpful to you. <laughs> if you're not, then you can just check your own uh, local listings. Hope you enjoy the conference tournaments. If anyone's going to the tournaments, shoot us an email or a tweet. Let us know about your experience. Love to hear about people experiencing uh, college basketball in person, which I think is always uh, a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, the way the NCAA tournaments often experience is via television because you have all the games going on at once and that sort of thing. But there is something also special about an in-person event like a conference tournament. So enjoy that. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Spain. Any, any major things you got going on the next few days you want to uh, uh, highlight in advance so that we can kind of be aware, uh, maybe try to stalk you on Instagram or something if we had Instagram? Uh, I will not. I, uh, no, I don't. I'd be going to. We're taking a winding way to Barcelona. That's the the, myth, the second big stop on the trip. So then we fly you're taking a what? Wending way. Wending. You know. The heck like, is that? Indirect. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. You're taking the scenic route yes, to exactly. Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Is wending way? Is that like a Euro, Is that like a British wending, term? Wending. Wending our way through. Isn't that an expression? Wending. This is a good good way to end the podcast. Good song. We should end the podcast. But wending. Dictionary.com. Let's see what they say. My brother, who has patiently been listening to this podcast, or one end of this podcast for the last nine or so minutes, gives me an approving nod, saying I'm correct. <laughs> so let's see what 
Wendy you're correct on Wendy way or you're correct in editing the podcast? <laughs> which, which are you correct on? I'm correct in the fact that, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, I think you both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Did we find it? No, no. He's yeah. He actually he just whispered to me. Even though he didn't hear what you said, he said I was correct and I wanted to end the podcast, not whether I was correct with Wendy. So, uh, mm. yeah, Wendy, their way. It's uh, let's see what it says here. To pursue or direct one's way, to proceed or go. So yeah, I think uh, I was half wrong there, at least half wrong. So hopefully my picks are better. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention that Tom. Uh, <laughs> yes, we did. Somehow, yeah, uh, Tom completed the uh the 20 2011 red sox uh uh debacle in september by uh giving up a massive lead in the picks to me and i won by one game but uh, all things will be refreshed for the ncaa tournament we're going to have a a cool ncaa tournament kind of draft or something we'll do next week um and maybe he'll win this big 10 uh or the bubble draft he could win another one of those but uh really look like tom's going to do that but um yeah let it be known that episode 20 we won. We got to episode twenty. That's that's an accomplishment. But two, this is the episode where Tom's brother whispered to him. So <laughs> if you're marking that down, um, um, you know it's, it's the whisper episode. So um, it's it's the whisper of March that we kind of hear the conference tournament starting, and the tournament's coming, and the podcast is ending. So uh, subscribe, rate, review on the on the platforms you know: Google Play Music, Spotify, Apple. Apple, iTunes, podcasts, etc., etc. Follow us on Twitter at DoleBonusPod. Email at DoleBonusPod at gmail.com. Website, DoleBonusPod.com. And we'll let Tom and his brother continue their um, uh, Sunday evening sleeping slash viewing experience. And uh, we'll not keep you any further from your uh, European vacation. Adios. (laughs) (laughs) I heard angels rise and pray when I heard you whisper my name and I heard music bring a heart of stone to tears and I heard peace ring like an anthem through the years and I heard hatred fall from grace when I heard you whisper